This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast. We talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I'm Christopher Hine, head instructor at Aikido of Fresno, and with me is Joshua Tee, assistant instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And Maya Solano McDaniel, first Q and student at Aikido of Fresno. All right. Uh, we're here doing yeah, it doing again. It. This is episode 199. Whoa! 199. We're, we're going to have to rad. do something special next week. Yeah, what are we going to do? Very rad. I'm, <clears throat> I'm not going to say anything because uh, I would like to do something special. I'm not. I'm not gonna. So I don't want to put it out there. And you know, then disappoint. In 166 episodes, we will have enough uh, of these podcasts that someone could listen to them for a year straight, one, one a day for a year, year. Wow. and never listen to the same one twice. That is. That's a little scary. Exciting. It's a lot of podcasts. That's a lot of stuff. A lot of information. That means we've good spent. Stuff uh, we've spent a year of our lives talking about. Right. Right. This, well, just on the podcast. I mean, a straight in, year. Yeah. I mean, not great. Oh, well, well, an straight hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah, an hour a day. <laughs> I mean, but I got, I got excited. Of, I got kind excited. Kind of because that was the sound of like calculating. We're all sitting there like, wait, wait yeah. There's second. something wrong with that, man. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, we it do, is like a what? straight week, though, or I mean, something. Yeah. It's like. And also, it is, I mean, it is kind of, I mean, I don't know about you, but this is really like the only thing for, that I do for the week, so. It's the only as, thing you do. We for might the as week? well That's just count it for the for the full year. Oh, we're doing some math to find out. <laughs> I did two hundred divided by seven. That's not how you do it. Uh, no. Um. So we have a topic. Do we have a topic? Did we decide on what we we're gonna do, or we were just gonna throw it to the wind a little bit like we did last time? But... Eight point thirty three days. Eight and eight and a third of a day. So. Uh, so you could listen to eight straight days. Yeah. Of us. Wow. You just that sounds like some fucking like insanity experiment where you're yeah. just sitting in a room sounds and like terrible. by day just, seven you're just yeah. like rocking back and forth. Yeah, they just blare it at, at high volumes or higher volumes at the very beginning because yeah. in order for you to be able to hear it, and then they get to turn it down a little bit lower than, as it gets better. <laughs> All right, what, what were you saying? Uh, We've so, turned our own podcast into yeah. a horror. Yeah, yeah, it's a horror. Uh, so I was saying we have a. Do we did we decide on topic uh, yeah. of the topics yeah. or were we just gonna kind of throw it to the wind like we did? Well, I, like. I think it's the 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 boxer striker dilemma Ooh. or the boxer yeah. grappler dilemma. Yeah, this uh, is a good one. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those things that is so like ingrained in martial art, it, martial arts generally. It's like the thing. Yeah, that everybody wants to know. Yeah. The versus, yeah, yeah, like whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, an Aikido gets thrown in there. Uh, interestingly enough, as in the uh, striker or the boxer part of the whole thing. I mean, I guess they it, it's both, but anyway. So yeah, I think this is a good one. Yeah. So so basically, uh, it's the the boxer wrestler dilemma which is which is like you know who would win in a fight between a, a boxer and a wrestler and people don't really talk about it quite as much now because we have MMA but you know there used to be this big thing and i mean i think this goes back before jack dempsey it goes way back to professional boxing way way back and uh, the basic idea was you know if you had a really good boxer and a really good wrestler who would win in the matchup and and the question they're being asked is like you know is it possible for one guy to keep himself from getting caught and is it possible for another guy to always catch someone, you know, like, 
that's kind of the what's happening because right, right. once a guy's caught, the grappler will win no matter what. And if the if the grappler can't catch the boxer, then the boxer will win. Right, right. The assumption being that the boxer will uh, be able to uh, sort of wear the other guy down right, right. over a given amount of time right. unless he gets caught. And if he gets caught, then it's kind of over. Right. And, I mean, there's tons of these through history um, that were done, you know, as, uh, uh, what do you call them when you want to make a matches. bunch of money? Yeah, challenge matches. Yeah, challenge matches. Exhibition matches yeah, yeah. and, like, uh, yeah, things that people did to make money. Um, where like, they would uh, get Rocky Rocky Three or whatever. Yeah, Rocky Three like is that. that yeah, that. it's it's yeah. Uh, commemorating that or whatever. Whatever. But, uh, what's his name? Thunder Lips? Uh, Thunder Lips. Yeah, Thunder Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, Thunder Thighs. Thunder I think th- it's Thunder, Thunder Thighs. thighs? I was going to say, Thunderlips is hot. Yeah, you like that. Uh, Thunder something, whatever. Thunderlips sounds like Hulk something Hogan. like it's someone Hulk, would call someone it's like... Hulk Hogan and Thunderlips. And, and, then, Thunder uh, and then Rocky uh, picks him up. Yeah, well, at the end, yeah, he gives him the, the old uh, throw out of the yeah, ring there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and that's but that's what that was... Uh, homaging sort of, to yeah alluding to this yeah. thing that that was actually oh yeah happened happening many many yeah. different times um i was going to do some history today and, and look it up but i didn't get time so wah, wah, but you can look wah. it up it's interesting there's lots of stuff about it so but but i mean basically there's <clears throat> there's documented times over history of people being interested in that sure absolutely and it's yeah. a big question i think that was asked over and over and, you know every time you would get a great heavyweight or something it'd be like oh could they stop you know right, right. you know whatever the great wrestlers at the time um, and we pretty much learned, I mean, you know, I think a lot of those were kind of rigged. I mean, they were just to make money. Um, but I think we kind of realized that the, the grappler will generally win because especially in a ring, the grappler is just going to wear the, the boxer down until he catches him eventually. And right. he can probably deal with the shots. And, and because you have a, a small area also, right. That's you know, exactly the, right. the boxer kind of has every, uh, uh, everything working against him. Yeah. You know, uh, to, to being caught, you know, especially because. Even in boxing, you know, part of the um, a, a strategy, for instance, is uh, I'm tired, like whatever I can crowd into the person, you know. Right, right, so, like, exactly right. Um, it's not – the boxer is not trained to not get caught. That's right. You know. Interesting. And so that that is the the sort of the, the downfall of it, right, is that, like – one guy, the grappler, is is just trained to do exactly what he's trained to do. Right. And take some shots and, you know, whatever. He'll get hit, which is, right. you know, a little hard for him. But also, this is a guy who's a tough guy. He's been wrestling his right. whole life. He's good um, at that. And the, so the boxer, I feel like, is sort of just from the standpoint of the way that the, the co- contest is set up, the boxer is at a slight disadvantage, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think that's probably what we're going to talk to about his, this podcast. Uh, you know. But yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, like I I think the the grappler has the advantage in that situation, you know. And can I ask really quickly? Sorry, before we move on to the like main point, like, because I'm kind of wondering about like a grappler's ability to take a bunch of shots, uh-huh. um, because obviously he's got to wait around to tire out the boxer until he can get close enough to grapple him, which may or may not take a length of time. Right. Um. So like, can like, I don't know. I mean, I've never boxed before, so I, I, I'm curious about how, how, how well trained or how tough you have to be to take the sh- shots from a amateur professional boxer like that without being trained in that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a it's an interesting thing to talk about, and and um, I think the catch up time is is a lot smaller for the 
the grappler. And what I mean by that is all the grappler has to do is not get hit hard enough, probably in the face or the liver, right, to, to stop to him. Stop. Right. Um, otherwise, he probably could could deal with everything. I mean, he's, he's this is a robust person, you know. I mean, right, you took a right, right. Uh, you know a fifty year old untrained man, and he's going to get killed whatever wherever he gets hit, you know. But like right. you know, a big beefy wrestler, he's okay. And so all the wrestler really has to do is keep his head and chin covered right. and not present the right side of his body long enough to grab the the boxer and and bring him down and you know you could probably do that in one explosive rush you know like a a grappler is trained to sprint at someone and get them you know or lunge at someone and get them yeah and the boxer doesn't know how to stop that grips and all that that's right right. Right. so that's and that's again why i'm saying why the boxer's at a little bit of a disadvantage because what chris is saying what it takes to learn to 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 mitigate a uh, boxer's weapons is a lot easier to learn than what it would take to mitigate a wrestler's particularly weapons. if you're not trying to hit them back i mean what creates openings in boxing games is the fact that the other boxer's trying to hit you too right, right, right and so right. that creates an inherent opening and if the wrestler's not trying to hit you just cover his head and come get you oh it's a bad day right, you know? right. he's just waiting and especially his time. right especially if um and we actually even see this when we're training you know weapon stuff in in aikido where um you know I'll take the shot. Sure, of I'll course. take the shot, and and I will come in and get you. And then once you, you know, and so if if you know that's the case, then the the grappler's even at a larger advantage then, right? You know, because right. all he has to do is take the shot, and if you're not ready for that, uh, then that distance is going to be done, and you're going to that's gonna right, be, yeah, that's right. Um, so so I, I it's an interesting problem, and and you know, like I uh, it, throughout my martial arts career until fairly recently always really favored grappling i thought grappling was really awesome and and this is one of the reasons where if you're an awesome grappler so what happens between two boxers when one boxer is starting to get outboxed a little what they do is they clinch so that way they get some time yep, yep, and, yep. and they slow down the the barrage of punches and so like that clinch is the essence of grappling and if you're a good grappler from that at that point you will win right you know because right. your game starts there exactly right, right. Yeah. and so so like you know to me favoring grappling was always like it's what you should do right. you know like i mean you hear this in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff all the time which is like well all fights go to the ground and right. i think the implication with that is that all fights close in right you know right and so at right. some point you're gonna get to that, do your thing that's exactly right and i think that's why uh you know people who love wrestling and and talk about its efficiency and whatever. The, right. What we're talking about right now is is what they're talking about. Right. Right. Why it's so efficient is because um, that is in a in a unarmed altercation. That is what happens. If right you know now. someone wants to hurt you, then at some point they've got to get close enough to you to do something to you. And generally, that's only a couple steps away from where you want to be, which is in the clinch. That's right. That's right. There used to be this guy. Um, Jeff Thompson was his name. Jeff with a G. Uh, he was a British guy. And he was a really interesting guy, and and he had a a really awesome set of videos that I saw years ago. And it was you know um, early stuff, like early before uh, uh, MMA was big at all. You know, like the Gracies were around and stuff, but like it's not like it was now. You know, not everyone knew about MMA. And um, this guy was an interesting dude. He he did karate for a long time, and. Um, was into it, and it, he used it kind of to overcome a lot of his fears. Like, you know, he describes himself as being a really scared person, you know. And um, so he used karate for that, and then he became a doorman. He basically had the theory of, like, uh, uh, 
G. Gordon Liddy had, which is like, you know, go forth and do everything that scares you and you'll never be scared again. I think it's Emerson or something. But but anyways, um, and so he had that theory. And so he became a doorman in England, you know, and like, you know, bounced guys out of clubs and, and all this stuff, you know. And and so he, out of pubs, out of pubs, out of yes, out of public <laughs> houses. Um, <laughs> anyways, but he um, he he basically was a real early person in talking about how you put martial arts stuff together and like what it is, you know, and he had these things at his school that I think he called animal days. And it was basically like you'd show up on a Saturday and they would just schedule these fights and they would be like, you know, no weight classes or anything. And you just go, go at each other as hard as you could. And like, he did that occasionally at his school. So that way you could realize what the violence of a fight is, you know, so you could understand that anyway. So Jeff Thompson, you know, he got really good at grappling and, um, he uh, uh, he said that even though he spent a lot of time grappling, he thinks grappling's good. He thinks boxing is the best thing because boxing commits you to the fight less mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. grappling mm-hmm. commits you to the fight. Right. And he said even though you know he really values grappling right. skills and they're really good and they're very decisive when things work out your way, th- that you know if you get stuck with a guy who's better or bigger than you, it's hard to get out. If he's right. got a buddy, yeah, it's hard yeah, to get yeah, out. Yeah. You know, so you're yeah. more committed. Um, and I remember hearing that back in the day, and this is, you know, real early, like me still forming ideas and thinking like, you know, I, I still think grappling's better because grappling's just so decisive. Like once you get a hold of someone, if you know how to grapple, it just feels so good. Yeah. I mean, you can make them put, do your will. Put, yeah, them, exactly put them in right. a choke, rip their arm off. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, yeah. You can make them do anything, literally, you yeah. know, and like, you know, if you want to hit someone, well, if you can grapple, once you get them on the ground, yeah. you can hit, hit the, the hell, hell out of them, them all you right, want, right, you know? Right. right. Um, and so I remember, you know, many times I thought about that Jeff Thompson saying that, and I was like, I see, I see what he's saying, but I still just don't buy it, you know? And then, especially after learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and just being like, man, if we grapple, you're going to lose, yeah, you know? Like, it's, like that's normal, how I felt about normal all normal person. people, yeah, yeah. you know? All normal, yeah. Um, and that feels so good. But as a, the more I got into Aikido and the more my theory of Aikido formed and the more I realized that Aikido really has nothing to do with grappling, but in fact some kind of anti-grappling, um, and realizing that from a grappling situation, I could never deal with multiple attackers. Right, it's yeah. just not a possibility, you know? And realizing that and, and realizing more and more that, like, what I'm trying to do in Aikido is not get caught. Right. And then maybe use a weapon on top of that, right? Not get caught and, and, and be able to use a weapon, you know, and that's the mobile weapon platform thing that, that I've said a lot in those recent videos. But anyway, so all this to say that like it was really occurring to me a couple days ago that the situation that I'm talking about is the boxer versus right. wrestler dilemma. Right. That, yeah. Right. And and like so to me, the the real problems the boxer has is one, like Josh is saying, he doesn't want to square up, or he w- he'll want to square up naturally with the wrestler, and that's also what the wrestler wants to do. Mm-hmm. And the boxer's likely to lose that engagement. And then two, his weapon that he's using is very weak. Right. A, a fist is very weak, even from you know Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson right. or Roy Jones or someone who can hit. You know, like, and especially at the distance that it would. The di- at the distance that it needs to be effective, its um, arm's length is also the distance that puts you in jeopardy from the grappler. So, in order for you to be effective uh, and not get caught, you are not able to use your weapons to their maximum effect. Right, e- using your weapons puts you in the range for them to that use is, their weapons. That is also. correct. Yeah. Um, and so, again, you're at the disadvantage. Right. And so, uh, so when I was realizing this, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that old dilemma. And I realized, but the difference when we're talking about Aikido, because Aikido's presenting the side of the striker, 
the difference is Aikido is suggesting using something way longer mm-hmm. and something that hits way harder oh, right. and adopting a strategy that doesn't want to square up at all. That's right. And then realizing this, I was like, man, then it skews all the advantage to the Aikido person. Like if you look at that right. paradigm, yeah. you know, skews everything towards the Aikido person's advantage. And then I was like, wow, it, all the time I think about grappling and you know, grappling is really popular in the world right now because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is real popular and, and you get that satisfying feeling that I was talking yeah. about from it. Yeah. But realizing that like just being able to move around really well and it's use a weapon. Much better. Much, yeah. much better. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, this goes back to all the different things that we've talked about on this podcast forever. And for instance, I'm going to say that um, our uh, return on investment uh, that we were talking Mm -hmm. about. Uh Um, To me, uh, doing the thing that you were just talking about, learning to be really extremely mobile and exist in a space where you cannot grab me when you want to because I'm not going to be there. Mm -hmm. There, that has a much higher return on investment for self-defense purposes than learning to wrestle when I'm on the ground. Right. You know, right. especially for someone like me who is small, right? Um, and if I get picked up, it's over, right. you know? Right. like um, So for me, the return on investment of learning to be mobile and not getting, got, getting grabbed, not getting, putting myself in that, is so much greater than figuring out what to do um once i get grabbed right. now of course i also would like to know what to do if yes. i get grabbed because of you course need to. it's awesome but if i had to choose like if i really had you said you can learn one or the other to me it's sort of a no-brainer which I, it's like well i would rather just never never let you catch me right yeah it's interesting because like so like when you were talking about the boxer versus wrestler thing it, it it really sounded like, man, the the wrestler has such a great advantage because, you know, everything rolls downhill, so to speak. And so, like, it's going to end up being what the wrestler is able to, like, things are going to fall into the wrestler's realm, most likely, mm-hmm. based on the interaction. Um, but I think, and I think that's not that hard to see for most people now. Although, of course, with MMA, it's like things are more complicated and, you know, people are able to have wider skill sets and, you know, give each other a hard time in these different areas. Um like, I think that the implication, like you said, is though, is that like the boxer isn't, is at a disadvantage. Like they're not fully, they don't have the skill set to, to stop things from rolling downhill. Right. Right. Effectively. That's what you're saying is interesting. Cause I, and, and I think we should point back to the spectrum of conflict, you know, and looking at the spectrum of conflict from, you know, proximity uh, all the way down and at the end is grappling. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Maya is saying is 100%. Like, if you're following the spectrum of conflict all that's the way down, funnels. that's where it funnels. So, of course, the person at the end, if that's where you're ending up, those people are going to be the best right? at that thing. Right. And so, of course, you would want all of your skills on the other side. That's right. Hopefully. Right. Yeah, I think it's just hard to look at because like you kind of have to put your thinking cap on because it's really easy, especially right now when when grappling is so popular to be like, well, yeah, sh- everything rolls downhill. So, so why shouldn't just, I do right. grappling? I and also, grapple. like, say Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it's made for small people. It's so good for small people. And I was thinking about this because I I don't think that Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is particularly made for small people any more than it's made for large people i think brazilian jiu-jitsu is for people like like grappling is for people in the sense that like the bigger you are 
the the more of an advantage you have naturally because mm. you are in contact with your human body and their human body and you, the heavier bigger you are of course that makes it better for you at the same time small people can get good at it because um they have certain like you know disadvantages in learning so they try harder they you know it's and it's also fun and good to do and very natural to humans and so i think that's why we think it's better for smaller people yeah but like if you're looking at it with honest eyes then like grappling is just for humans and we have sort of a bias towards it but i think it's just part of the 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 fad right now that that we're in the other thing is i think it has to be abundantly pointed out and clear that Grappling's also only good for dueling situations. Right. Right. And like, that's the thing that, is like that is the only thing that it's good for. And it's good for you and another dude. Mm-hmm. And yes. once you move outside of that, then you're in a whole world of that's right. weirdness and you get back to what Chris was talking about before, yeah. where actually you become at a disadvantage because you are now entangled in the conflict whether yes. you want to be or not. And I think that's the thing that people really don't want to look at is like they, they can some people like can admit that like, oh, gra- grappling's good for small people, but it's obviously better for bigger people. And it's like, well, yes. And that also means that the bigger you are, the more advantage over smaller people that you have. And so it's actually not great for smaller people. You have to have you have to make up that gap of ability with skill to overcome someone who's right. so much bigger than you. So all of that to say, like, th- we we kind of have a skewed idea of of grappling and what that looks like and so that you know we're so focused on that that we aren't looking at the 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 first part of the spectrum so to speak and and boxing isn't actually the best thing to put in that first part of the spectrum like like well, you guys are saying right, like right. like that's not the best striking art to pick to stop yourself from rolling downhill right it's funny i think you guys both hit on something that's that's important to realize and and we can historically kind of watch this play out like so what josh said is you know the the spectrum of conflict as i outline it um funnels down to grappling meaning grappling is kind of the last stop when we're in physical struggle and if you have mastered that if you spent all your time mastering that all you need to do is make the situation go to the worst place and then you will dominate it because you are a master of the yeah. worst place. And so, like, that is the strategy the Gracies use, particularly in getting very good at ground grappling. They didn't even use much of their time to do stand-up grappling. They spent the vast right. majority of their time doing ground grappling. So all they would have to do is literally fall on someone's leg until they fell down. And then once they fell down, mm. they're going to win because no one else in the world, especially at that time, was better on the ground than the Gracies. And so, like, it's, it's a really smart strategy um, to always win that kind of dueling situation. And then, you know, what Maya was saying about the, um, like, the the disadvantages that a boxer's at, and a boxer doesn't have the skill set to stop a grappler from grappling them. And so, because they don't have the specific st- skill set of stopping grappling, they're always at the disadvantage. Because once they even get to the, the takedown position, the boxer's useless, and the, the grappler still knows how to dominate. And not the, only do they not have the skill set, but they also don't have the firepower. Like, they don't hit hard enough you know, even if they're doing range. the right, right shit, right. they don't hit hard enough right, to right. stop. Right, especially if their legs are shut down. Yeah. Right. Um, so so there's a time in the UFC when um, there's a couple guys. Uh, Chuck Liddell's one of them. Uh, Maurice Smith is another one of them. These guys who came on and though these guys had learned takedown defenses. Now, we didn't see them on the ground that much, so we don't know if they had really excellent ground games, but we know, and I know they trained it, it, but but, um, because they had takedown defenses and they were powerful strikers, they started winning. And that kind of 
made this new niche of this group of fighters who were specialists in both striking and takedown resistance. So they were good at stopping takedowns and they could box better. And so we had this period where those guys started dominating. And and that's kind of what brought striking really back into uh, uh, the UFC, you know, and, and some rule changes to make it easier. But, uh, <laughs> but, but so like, I think it's really interesting that like exactly what both of you guys are talking about, we can historically kind of see play out, you know, in the Gracie's decision to specialize in the area and then dominating for a period. And then a group of, of strikers saying, Hey, if we just learn takedown defense, we won't go down anymore and then right. we'll do good, you know? Yeah. And that leads us to Aikido. Yeah, and that leads us to Aikido. And and so Aikido pulls away all the disadvantages that that has, meaning that... Of course, this goes without saying our interpretation of Aikido, and this is ideal. uh, (laughs) If someone was to practice ideally our interpretation of Aikido, that's not in real life right now, but... Right, right, right. This is uh, the hypothetical... Right, uh, sort of right. existence, and and and, and why we're talking about it because that to me that hypothetical situation of boxer versus grappler is to me something I'm really interested in yeah. right this minute because it is the very thing I'm interested in, which is can I produce students who are so good that they can't right. be boxed right. by a boxer? Right. Well, right? this was the thing. Remember, uh, there was the Aikido guy that was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and Joe Rogan was like, you know. Uh, could the the top Aikido guys stand up against a NC2A wrestler or whatever? You know, that was sort of the, the thing. And the answer is like, no, of course not. You know, because we're not, we, we are not trained. There is no one right now that is trained enough to do it. But hypothetically, if they were, that might be a thing that could happen. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, to me, it's it's levels of steps because I tell you right now, well, given I, I'd put Maya against any boxer on earth if I gave her a Glock oh, 19. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll right, put her right. against any sure. boxer on earth. Sure. Yeah. And she'll win yeah. um, because she can shoot accurately. She can shoot on the move and she knows how to keep her distance. And so, like, that's all it takes. Like, the weapon will wear him right, down. Right, right. Um, and then, you know, uh, and the same is true of a grappler. It doesn't matter, right? Like, she'll put enough rounds in the person to stop them. And so, when I say it like that, you say, oh, well, that's anyone just do that. the gun, right? That's right. anyone can do it. And so, to me, it, it comes down to, like, what I would like to see, and I, we kind of got off track a little here, but w- what I would like to see is someone with about an 18-inch pool noodle doing Aikido able to stop boxlers and grapplers right, from right, playing right, their game. Right. And that's that's what I'm headed for. Right. And I think that's a tall ask because, understand, the pool noodle's really doing nothing. It's not it's not making damage. But right. if you could do it with a pool noodle, I guarantee you could do it with a short sword. Right, right. I guarantee you could do it with a lead pipe. Lead pipe you, know, yeah. you could definitely do it with a pistol. Yeah. And so, like, like that's that's what I'm looking at because it's like the skill set of armed not wanting to square up and being mobile is the winning skill set right. no matter what and if right. as long as the weapon's powerful enough you could put anybody you know the the, the ability to um, stay mobile goes down as the weapon power goes up you know what I'm saying yeah for sure yeah um, but anyways what I was gonna say earlier was what Aikido manages to do or what my theory of Aikido manages to do is instead of hamstringing the the boxer in lots of ways which is giving them limited power and only being able to use their unarmed hands and ma- mind you because hands are so weak we have to pack them um, to keep them from getting hurt and right. so that packing uh, also 
takes away from the punching power that they have to hit the the wrestler, right? So meaning they've got a big pillow on their hand so their hand won't break. And then that pillow also does help the boxers or the grapplers, you know? So Aikido gets rid of that by putting a really powerful weapon in your hand. Also gets rid of squaring up, any ideas of squaring up. You don't square up with them and you you don't get caught, you know? And so to me, that's the interesting thing to think about right now is it's like, oh, can I produce someone who could do that? That's what I want to do. Maya, it's all up to you. (laughs) You're still young enough to be able to do it, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, no, I was going to say, though, like, I think the issue with presenting, or not the issue, but the concern or argument against presenting Aikido like this, um, you know, in this way against a, a, a wrestler, say, is that, like, the wrestler's at such a disadvantage because he doesn't get a weapon and that's no fair let him have a weapon how much training does he do you know what i'm saying is like we can make it even steven and what we're going to end up seeing is the same thing because then the second the wrestler gets a weapon in his hand it's like well why did you spend all the time wrestling what does he do what does he do with it no no i I mean i think that is the answer you know but i mean i think that's the first thing that will pop up is that like well because because this is the thing people place so much weight on the weapon and not on the skill set of the person who's using it i think a lot of people think that like this is i mean shit go to the gun range and you'll see this is that people don't really think shooting a gun or swinging a stick or anything is any kind of skill and and then on top of that that moving around using that at the same time is any kind of skill like they think put a gun in somebody's hand and they'll be able to do the same damage as someone who's, you know, trained with it for a long time, right, which right. is clearly not true to anybody that pays attention to stuff. But I think even martial artists are under this weird idea because if you don't train with weapons, you kind of don't get it. Right. And not that you can't do some damage. You can, I'm sure you can do plenty of damage completely untrained with a stick in your hand. Um, but at the same time, having someone trying to get like a wrestler, for example, try to get you like that requires an ability to move and hit and stay autonomous. And, of course, that's what we're emphasizing here is right. that there is a skill set to be trained. Right. And I think so. So saying, OK, we'll give the wrestler a weapon kind of stops people in their tracks and makes them go, uh, oh, 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 OK. Yeah. Uh, and you then, know, and then all that wrestling training was apparently a waste of time, you know. There's a there's an interesting story, and I think this had a big effect on the Dog Brothers, actually. There's a story about the Dog Brothers. They have a relationship with Jean-Jacques Machado. He's a, a very famous Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. And um, uh, Jean-Jacques went to one of the Dog Brothers meetings, and he fought in one of the matches, and he had a stick. And the second the fight started, he chucked the stick and dove in and double, did a double yeah. leg takedown and won the match. You uh-huh. know, and um, I, I noticed like you know since that had happened, the Dog Brothers put out lots of material about if a guy's just charging you down, you still have to be able to hit him and uh-huh. move out of yeah, the way yeah, and yeah, keep yeah. that guy yeah, from yeah. getting you. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing to understand. And Josh talked about this earlier with the boxer: is I'll take a shot. You know, and as oh, long yeah, as that yeah. shot doesn't knock me out after that yeah, shot, yeah. I will have you. And that is the the creed of a, of a grappler, you right. know, and, and it's not a bad strategy. Right. And so to me, like, this is why the mobile weapon platform idea is important because you have to learn to be mobile in the face of that. That's correct. And still using your weapon. And, and the, the, the implication of the mobile weapon platform, like, even if you are not a pacifist or not trying to defend yourself or, you know, like, even if it is a quote unquote fight you know, an arranged situation where you're fighting and want to win. Right. Like that mobile weapon platform requires you to separate yourself from the idea that you first have to hit them. Like the, the priority becomes you first have to move and then ideally also hit them. But like, 
because the wrestler is willing to throw down whatever they have and and take a shot and go in doesn't fucking matter because you're already going to lose like so you have to move first and that's like i think people have a difficulty seeing how how that's different or like how that's a skill set that like just the the change in your mentality is a difficult one to make and you have to completely separate right. from that old way of thinking of I have to hit them first. And I'll tell you from years of experience on my behalf, you take your average person and you put something in their hand and tell them run away from this guy and hit him. They, they will not be able to nope, do both. Nope. They'll be able to stop and yeah, hit yeah, yeah, or yeah. run away, but yeah. do both. They cannot do. So it, it, What we see all the time, uh, and it takes a long time to get this out, is exactly what Chris is saying. Uh you know, someone's really mobile, moving around, doing really good, not hitting. The minute they decide to hit someone, everything stops. Yeah. And they might get two, three good hits in, but if there's more than one person, they immediately get stagnated. It's done. On the flip side, you know, if they just keep moving and running, they're, they're just, they're not Yeah, hitting. they're going to get worn down. And so, um, and or eventually they get to that position where... Um, they're in a distance where they have to hit in order to reset their distance and keep themselves from getting grappled and and they can't be mobile in it you know and so and that's what we see all the time you know and i know it from doing it myself and still i feel that i am not very comfortable hitting and moving with this and i feel like i probably do it better than a lot of people but i'm still not very good at it um yeah we were doing something in class the other day and it practicing this very thing and i still like we were doing slow motion and so like i should have been able to go slow-mo perfectly but even still i found myself take a slight pause as i was moving you know i'm on two feet neither one's really moving as i was hitting and i was like oh shit like i I should not be doing this by now but it still happens being able to you know and this is something that like could probably be trained easily for people who do things a lot. Like a boxer would probably be able to train this really quickly uh, of being able to to move and, and uh, sync up those parts of the body to do it. But it's definitely something you have to train. Like That's it, right. it, it's not inherent. Yeah, and then sure. you need to be able to add to that skill. And this is what Aikido does as we get into the Kumiuchi is if your weapon hand's caught to instantly clear that right, weapon right. hand, right? And so like, you know, there's a skill set that has to be built. But once you build that skill set, in my opinion, it's like, ah, that just seems like the penultimate. I mean, like, it's as good as you're going to get all the way up because even with a firearm, these are the same skill sets you're applying, right, right, right? right? So like, say you've got a firearm, you're trying to stay mobile while you put rounds into the target. If the target manages to get to you anyways and grab your hand, you want to clear your weapon hand as quickly as possible, clear any jams, reload the weapon and go again, you right. know? And so like, this is this is the same skill set. And so that is the ultimate, like it's the, you know, once we've gotten into physical conflict, there's not a better skill set you could have. Right. And I think it's really easy to con- get confused and think that grappling is the best skill set you right. can have when it's actually a very, very limited skill set. What's also interesting about the Aikido skill set is, uh, so it works against the grappling, it also works against the striker. And that's the other thing I, I think people don't understand about Aikido either, uh, you know, because they think that, and you see like the Aikido versus boxers or, or whatever, um, but they're not actually using the aikido the systematically using aikido for for, watch any any of these videos and well there might be a few exceptions but all of them that i've seen start off with the aikido person 
assuming some kind of boxing stance or some kind of wrestling stance, and then beginning to box or wrestle the person that they're versing. So if it's versus boxing, they try to box them. If it's versus wrestling, they try to wrestle them. It is stupid to think that you're going to defeat someone at their own skill set. Right. Like, it's ridiculous. And it's because we don't really understand what Aikido is doing. Because we think so, Aikido is wrist locks and we're trying right. to wrist lock Yeah, once I grab him, I boxing. wrist lock him. Yeah. Know? Which is, you know, and if we're going back to that situation, if you're looking at it outside of context and you're thinking you got to wrist lock him, you're going to try to wrist lock a grappler. Well, you've just done the thing that they want you That's to exactly do. That's exactly right. Go, they will win. Going back They'll to, win you know. So it's like that's you have to start looking at it in a different way. And if you do that, then you realize, well, why would I be doing that wrist lock? Well, it's because I have to right. because there's right. something that is more dangerous than the grappling, which right. is a, a weapon. Right. And so if they don't have that, there's no reason I should be trying to wrist lock them. So I think I cut you off from saying something. But no. now you okay. I don't remember. I was just thinking, I mean, this is maybe unrelated, but, like, thinking about weapon use and how people, like, kind of like I said before, people really think that, like, weapons are sort of more than they are and also less than they are. Like, people think weapons are um, either nothing, that, like, they're not as great, like, not useful like people would rather throw them down and throw hands right. than use them in a like self-defense situation or they over inflate the idea of what right. a weapon can right. do and like so like take a gun for example like you know there are people that are like super scared of them and think by getting shot so look getting shot is no fucking joke but like you're not going to die instantly all the time you know that it's generally going to either take some time or you're going to get hit somewhere that's non-lethal and like you know, one shot may not do anything to a revved up, you know, kind of person who's, you know, got a bunch of adrenaline. Like, there's many different scenarios that, you know, come with that. And I think people oversimplify weapons and and think of them as something else than what they are. That's right. You know? It, it's funny with that, like, uh, exaggeration of what the weapon does, you know? So let's say we took a short sword, you know, and a short sword's capable of taking a limb off pretty easily. So, you know, in, in a situation say the dog brother situation if we replace the stick with a short sword would john jacques uh, machado have thrown down his short sword to grapple with him and had he would he have lived (laughs) through that engagement and he wouldn't have because the short sword is so powerful compared to one human body however if there were four john jacques machados they would have won even they all four of them threw down their swords which i still wouldn't recommend and came after him one or two of them would have died the other two would have got a hold of that guy and killed him because you have to stay mobile. Right. And so, like, that skill set's what has to be trained. And that's – so that's why, like, yeah, I have a weapon that's powerful, but it's not the penultimate because right. I still have to be able to constantly use it. And it's the reason that we train with the pool noodle and the reason yes. that you say ultimately it would be can a guy with a pool noodle go up against blah, blah, blah because it's like we want to sort of simulate uh, what would happen if that weapon – didn't do what it was. Right, right. The the pool noodle does its minimum thing, which is extend the reach and provide a little bit of an annoyance. So it really, it will not hurt anyone at all. But that is the little bit of advantage that I'm curious if with that much advantage, could we train them Mm -hmm. to stop, you know? And and I don't know without that if it's possible at all, you know? Like, because a grappler can just cover so much ground so fast and and just come in. But it's like, with a pool noodle, if, if we could have someone who could do that, I guarantee you with any weapon on earth, that person would be successful against grapplers. Yeah. I mean, it'd be super cool to be able to actually 
practice with real weapons, but that's not something that we can do. Yeah. And so we replace that with uh, the pool noodle. And and if you can hit him with a pool noodle, you can hit him with a lead pipe. I think the other thing is like, and this is maybe more once again, weapon specific, but I think it plays back into the understanding of why we're practicing the skill set that we're practicing that like, like, so you were talking about, you know, uh, your weapon, your gun malfunctions, or, you know, you run out of ammunition, you have to reload or whatever, like, that takes time and that is something that is that could realistically happen if you're in a dire situation and like your ability to stay on the move and handle yourself while you solve that issue or while you switch weapons or do whatever you need to do like uh i think chris maybe you made this joke before but like people kind of get in cars and and put their keys in and drive away and think that that's all cars are is the thing that gets me from point a to point b and Mm -hmm. i kind of think that's how people think weapons are Mm -hmm. is like they require no main. I put gas in and I put the key in and I drive mm-hmm. and there's nothing else going on with that. And right. it's like, there's so much. And like, you know, I think that's how teenagers think when they first get cars because they haven't had one long enough to realize that they need to, you know, replace the battery and, you know, change the oil and all the other shit. But like, that is sort of, if you don't really think about it, that is kind of what you think. It's just magic. Right. But right. like, it requires skill sets to be able to deal with those different issues that come up and those you know, those are issues that could come up. You know, Chris was telling me the other day that he bought a car, um, one of his old cars, he bought a car and the day and day two, the battery died. And so look, it's not likely that like your gun is going to malfunction while you're, you know, fending off a home intruder, but like maybe it does. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, so, so it's like, you know, the the kind of, the, the reason I've said this before is because, you know, I've had shitty cars most of my life. And so I had to learn to work on the car. And so to me, the skill of being able to fix a car is even more valuable than having a really good car. Although it's nice to have both. Um, because if my car ever breaks down, I know how to solve it. Whereas most people have reliable cars. And so when they run into that problem, they don't know how to solve the problem. You should look at, uh, being in any kind of physical conflict as always having a shitty car. Like even if you have the best weapon on earth, because the things that can go wrong will go wrong. I guarantee your weapon will jam. I guarantee things will happen weird. I guarantee you will drop shit. You'll trip and fall over shit. Like all kinds of things will happen. And you have to have the skill set to fix that stuff. And so having a weapon, just thinking it does the the job, which is what Maya is saying, is like having a perfect car all the time. And a fight is an inherent situation where you're not going to have a perfect car. And and so to kind of expand on that a little bit, like if we apply that to the idea of moving in Aikido, that Aikido is a movement system, right? Mobile weapon platform. Right. <laughs> if if you people look at that and go, okay, let's assume that you get good at this movement system. Well, then why would you need grab escapes? Why would you need body escapes? Why would you need the Kumiuchi if you're so good at this movement stuff, right? You wouldn't. I well, mean, that's... You wouldn't, but I mean, the, I think you know. people make this weird argument that they say, well, if, if you have to have Because those that's things, in the system. Right then that means that that movement stuff doesn't work. And so what's the point of training movement if you're just also going to have to train how to do grab escapes and, and stuff? And it's like, I think this is the thing. They they think they're going to get in their car and just drive away right. and never have to That's right. do solve problems. And it's like silly to me because like every other system has these sets of um, fail safes. Yeah, that's, that's what a system is. So, so I think it, it makes perfect sense that like the movement system, of course, is the ideal. Hell, not fighting is the ideal, but we right. have all of these well, fail-safes. Right. But, and it also goes back to, you know, I think Chris's point, which is like, look, the wrist escapes and shit, it's not enough. It's not enough. So, like, he was talking about, you know, if if I have a sword and there's five five guys, right, 
and I have a stick of those five guys, I, I can get my hand free. I can cut one of them, but if I'm not moving, the other four of them are on right. me. They so all have like, to go together. You, right. it has, it, they, they are built, they're one and the same. Right. Like, you can't take them apart. So it's like, yeah, I have to be able to get my weapons u- usable, but I have to be moving the entire time. That's, right. that's why it's like, uh, and and that's also the the platform part of it. It's like, it doesn't matter what the weapon is. the The thing is the movement. The right. thing is the being able to be yourself, be free, autonomous, and have that weapon, whatever it is, also autonomous and and able to, you know, do what it does. Right. Right. It's funny, I'd never thought of this before, but the the thinking about Aikido as, like, making harmony, making an accord, like, fitting with the world, like, Josh saying right now that, like, it doesn't really matter what the weapon is, is, like, that's part of the making an accord with life. That's, like, we're not relying on any partic- one particular weapon, you know, that we are a, you know, sword system or we are a knife right. system. Like right. the point is not about the weapon. It's about whatever is available to you. And just because you don't have a weapon doesn't mean that all hope is lost either. Like right. the point is the movement and the movement is wherever you need to go. Right. right? Josh, Josh and I used to play uh, uh, Armored Core, which is this dorky, oh, yeah, yeah. dorky video game where you have these mechs, you know, these these robot suit things. And, and um, you know, to me, the... Aikido, what Aikido is, is it's a mech that moves really fast and well. And that's what it does. Changes direction well, moves really well, is really stable. And then on top of that, we mount whatever powerful weapon. So once I have my solid mech, I can put any weapon on top of it. And that's that's this mobile weapon platform idea is where it's like we're trying to build ourselves to be as mobile as possible. And like Mai's saying, it's not weapon dependent. It's not a sword or a knife or a stick. It's whatever we have and however we can use it. Yeah. Right. And that's only the technical. I mean, like also as Mai and Josh have both pointed out today, it's about not getting in a fight. Like if we can not get in a fight, that's what we want to do too. Right. Which is like the, yeah, the ultimate, and realizing that, you know, I think one of the good best things that we said so far, or or for me anyway, is this idea that like, look, if the conflict continues down the scale, at the end is that grab at the end is is bad, right? So it would seem like you would all you would want to front load your skill set, yeah. And this yeah. is what I was talking about, like you know your the Aikido skill set exists on the other side of even the striker's skill set so it's better right 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 (laughs) what's so funny though is like what you're saying you know strategy wise if you want to win the conflict if you backload your system and then you restrict the kinds of things we see the backloading wins right right? and that's exactly what you see in brazilian jiu-jitsu and i'm not talking shit on brazilian jiu-jitsu because i like it but what it is it's a backloaded system meaning everything that it it teaches you is at the end the last bit of of conflict you can have and that's fantastic because that means all they have to do is get you to the worst right. place and then once you're there and and it, because of entropy in the universe uh, it is way harder to get to an ideal place than it is to get to the worst right, place right, right. and so you know the brazilian jiu-jitsu theory is the same theory as to why i became a car mechanic because like i could fix my fucking car and so like right, right. give me any piece of shit and i'll drive it out of here you know what i mean like right. and that that's it but like josh is saying well if you just saved up some money and you bought a right. good car, you wouldn't have to get greasy and dirty all the fucking time. I don't know why, but this keeps reminding me of like um, 
Uh, so in RuPaul's Drag Race, they have a, a, a challenge where like they do a comedy set basically, mm-hmm. and so like one person gets to choose the order that everyone else goes in, and um, you know they're the high demand ones is you know the very end and then the people that think they're gonna do bad go in the middle and so on and so forth but it's just funny thinking about like would you rather go first at the comedy set or would you rather go at the end at the comedy set or would you rather be the opener at the rock show or the closer you know and it's like i think most people would go i'd rather be the fucking closer you know i'd rather like you know like bring the house down um but like this is kind of turning that on its head and going like well if i could really do a good fucking job at the beginning of the show Just then like, no one else wants to go on right, right. head it off at the very beginning yeah. <laughs> and it's funny like in you know you see that like as uh, like stories and you know it's like i'm not following that act you know like right, that's right. the front loaded in yeah. versus the back you know right yeah and i think i mean I think this goes without saying but of course like none of us is saying don't study no, wrestling please, or please, please, please do like yes. right, right sure because the other, I mean, this is, and I, I had a, a conversation with uh, one of our students um, after one of our other podcasts where we were sort of talking about these similar things, you know, whatever, um, uh, about wrestling. And, you know, at a certain point, it was like, he had a really valid point that um, if you need to know wrestling, that it's the best thing for that. Like, That's oh, right. yeah. there That's is right. a moment, yes. there, w- there could be a moment in time when... The only thing that's going to help you is wrestling. And if you don't know wrestling, if you're in that moment and you don't know wrestling, you're kind of fucked. So there there is that moment. What, you know, so it is good to have that knowledge. It's like the car thing, right? Like, um, yes, save up some money, get a, a nice car. It still will, will pay dividends for you to know how to work on it if, in case something crazy happens. So like the worst case scenario isn't you know it's still worth training for the worst case scenario it's not worth putting all of your training in right. the worst yeah. case that's scenario. right that's right i know. feel that way a lot when i see um you know there's the self-defense reddit on um self-defense reddit on reddit, reddit. reddit. Sub, um, subreddit subreddit yes subreddit. um and it's not a very popular reddit but uh, occasionally people go on there and ask you know uh there was one the other day where it was a woman who had had some trauma and you know some bad experiences and she was you know wondering uh what she should get into to help her to defend herself and of course a lot of people were recommending brazilian jiu-jitsu especially because you know her particular trauma that would work well for those kinds of situations mm-hmm. um and it's always like a mixed reaction from me when I see that, because on one hand, they are totally right that like in situations where you're, you know, in sexual assault situations, like the positions you're going to be in in wrestling are exactly the kinds of things that you learn to deal with in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That being said, like to recommend that as like the main self-defense course, it, it makes me hesitant. And I also see the other aspect of that being that, like, this person needs to build their self-esteem. And, and grappling is a great way Definitely to do that, that. An amazing way to do that. And if anything, it's been my window into getting tougher and being able to handle a different level of shit from people. Um, but at the same time, I think, and this is the point I think we're trying to make with this entire podcast, is that, like, there are other realms or there are other parts of the realm of self-defense. And that is only that, that end part. You know, and there's there's so much more to look at that situation and so many other skill sets that lead up or hopefully not lead up to that. So I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't not recommend Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or wrestling, but I would recommend that and 
more. Yeah. I mean, you know, and we've talked about this before. I think there's a uh, level of competency time for things, you know, and that's probably six months to two years, you know. And um, I don't think that's a huge investment of time to spend doing grappling. And if you did that, then you'll be good at grappling for all of your life, you know. Like, um, as far as any normal person is concerned, you'll be golden. And then spend the rest of your time training how to use a weapon efficiently and move the hell away and and communicate with people, you know, like. Yes. I mean, you know, the, the Navy SEALs have this thing, you know, we uh, we move, shoot, and communicate better than anyone in the world, and that's why we're so good. And it's like, those are really the skills. Right, right, right. right? right. Like, yeah. use a weapon, move a fuck away from it, or edit, or whatever, however you got to move, right. and, and talk and about it, you know, able, like, be yeah. able to communicate. Yeah, absolutely. Even, and I mean, even in, like, simple such situations as someone's walking in your direction and look they may or may not actually attack you, but like being aware of distancing and being aware of positionality and where you are in relation to them and how close and how fast they're coming. Like that is it way easier to head off than someone coming up to you and getting close to you and ending up doing something to you, you know? Right. Yeah. Throwing you on the ground. And now mm-hmm. you have to wrestle your way out, <laughs> right. which right. you could do cause you're trained, but wouldn't it have just been better to go like, nah, nah stay away, you know? Yeah. 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 All right, uh, we're at 53 minutes. So. Oh, that one went yeah. a little long. I think, we, personally, at the beginning, we were a little hesitant about whether we'd be able to get a full episode out of it. But you know what I said? We get an episode out of anything. That's true. That's what you said. Yeah. When life gives you lemons. You make lemonade. Some people just eat the lemons. That's what I do. I just eat, eat Josh the would eat the lemons with the skin That's on. That's right. Did Tammy Faye Baker invent that saying, or is that an old saying oh, before, I Tammy? Because I, I remember hearing That's her say you, that. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Uh, well, super makeup um, uh, evangelist's Tempe. wife. There's a movie coming out. I think she was an evangelist too. Movie coming out. I think I've only seen drag queens. Yeah. Oh play her. well, I mean, she is a, a, a icon She's for very, drag queens. Very, I mean, very, very famous uh, televangelist. I believe maybe even started the whole televangelist yeah. uh, thing. Yeah. So let's go ahead and thank our patrons who make it possible for us to do all of these great episodes. All a hundred and what is it? Hundred ninety. 199. Dang. I'm still loading the page. I almost said tomorrow's 200, Tomorrow, but next episode. <laughs> next episode. Next episode's 200. We'll do a uh, anniversary episode where we summarize each of the other episodes. Oh, my gosh. In episode one, we talked about. In episode two, we talked it about. Would, it would take us like seven days to go through them all. <laughs> well, we just give each one like a... I don't know. We could do the math. And figure. Do you, have... you can do episodes one through 60. How's yeah, that? Okay. <laughs> they have televangelists in other countries. Is that? Uh, I guess. Yes, I believe yeah, they yeah. do. I would assume if they have TV. If you can make money, then uh, they have them in other countries, and I believe you That's can make true. money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. The, uh, you got it? Yeah, I do. Okay. I was just I was just ruminating on no, I understand. Yeah. It just feels like so uniquely American, but I guess it's not it I don't probably, know why it is. Well... But... I just it feels it does seem pretty American. It yeah. feels uh, it feels like that. Well, you know, he, uh, the idea of uh, you know, like uh, like witnessing to people, like trying to you know convert people. Uh-huh. That's that's not new. Oh to no, America. that's not new. But uh, the whole like TV doing it for a big profit, money, like that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's see that's the part that sounds yeah. American. Well, I don't know. I mean, isn't that what the Catholic Church did for a long time? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Let's let's that's leave, what I learned let's in world history. leave religion out of this one. <laughs> We're getting in a <laughs> sticky wicket. <laughs> okay. Abort. 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 None, none of us have a filter. Stop, so. stop. 
All right. Thank you so much to Logan, Shadow Dragon, Master Heinrichs, okay. Adam Nicholson, Matt yeah. Whalen, The Dirt Wasp Podcast, Chris Comouth. I'd rather eat glass than watch another video of my Aikido practice. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. We've uh, all been there, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Josh is doing great. Maya, I want that unpredictability. You're... You're virile, you're virile, so again, and this time even happier and with your mouth open. Remember last time <laughs> there was some, like, uh, say the last guy's name with your mouth open? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Josh and I both tried it. Oh. C- couldn't do it. Uh, Brad, whiskey is social is a social lubricant. Yes, that's that pretty good. That's, that's, good. that's very good. That's very good. Yara Madrona, El Terrible, Brooke Ferragamo. Ben, I wonder what all those other patrons say when they see me changing my name every week, Eldritch. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Tommy Siv, Francis Cardone, Scott Burns, Dave Dewberry, Sension Center, Barrett Lippi, Sam Sulian, Randy Stewart, Hillary Jones, Constantinos, Andrew, Fran, sometimes I pay attention, Martinson, Lily yeah. Simgu, Brian Crowley, Lisa Klein, Sharon Okada, Christopher Acido, Matt Mumford, Whiskey and Wick Wednesdays and Lenny Acuna. Perfect. Ah, Grant Templin like chimed that. in with another. <laughs> See, last week Grant Templin had got rid of his nickname, right. and so I was like, "Oh, I guess Grant Templin's gone back, back to, to back to playing the norm." But now he's back, back to whiskey like and, and Wick. Whiskey and Wick is hot. That is, that nice. is a hot title. I have to say, uh, I appreciated today like the normal names. Yeah, because I was like, "Oh, now I'm now back to the normal people I re- I recognize." <laughs> Meanwhile, Josh is like, what, who is who that, is that? That's, Yeah, but anyway. Well, thank you so much to our yes. patrons. To all, really. to yes, all thank of you very, very much. Yes. Um, do we whiskey have a, and Wick. I like Whiskey yeah. and Wick. What was the other one? Someone else had another one. Seagal and Seagal. Seagram's and Seagal. Seagram's and Seagal, 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 Seagal Saturdays. Seagal Saturdays. Good. I like those that. are good. Yeah, those I are both like good. Um, do we have a tip of the week? Brandy and Bruce Lee. Brandy and Bruce Lee. That was not good. Oh, oh. Let's, uh, let's leave the naming up to our patrons. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> the, the look that Chris gave me when I said that was just like, oh. That was very, yeah. Oh, honey, no. Don't. Leave the funny jokes to the patrons. Yeah. You tried. I I'll give you. I will give you credit for trying. Thanks. Tip of the week. Yeah, tip of the week. I'm throwing it to you. Oh, that's this is a long, that was a long, long time. Well, I just long, we gave her a little too much whiskey tonight. I know. So <laughs> apparently, whiskey does not make hey. me smarter or funnier. <laughs> I gave you the smallest glass. Yeah, actually. I know, a baby glass, a little pour, a little. No, I'm fine. As perfectly suited for uh for you. Thanks. Yeah, because I'm I'm small. Yeah. Okay, we're killing time. I know. I know just, I'm so sorry. There has to be a tip of the week in here somewhere. Do some live goddamn training. I, I, I like it, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> there it go is. Out, go out there and go for it. <laughs> yeah, All right. I mean, I All right. That, so, fine tip. I think that yeah, that is a fine tip. Whatever it is, I mean, it, I guess it doesn't have to be Aikido. Just yeah, no, like do I some feel live like training. that. Inf- great. That inf- will inform whatever martial art you do. That so. is true. Yeah, no, I, I think that, yeah, that's a, a pretty good one. Give it a go. Yeah. Give it a go. I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that the just because we're saying that, you know, Aikido is the place where we personally believe you should spend the majority of your training time, best return on investment, 
etc., so forth, doesn't mean that any of these other things aren't valuable and won't give you something important. And most of them will come back to inform what you do oh, yeah. in, in Aikido. So. I would like to say I, I really don't think Aikido gives you a great return on investment at this point. Maybe well, you know sure, there's sure, a hypothetical sure, sure. awesome Aikido that we have in mind right. that that, that, that right. would offer right. this, but um, I, you know, I, you should do Aikido because you love it. Like, yeah, I think that's what most people do. Yeah. So, all right, guys. All right. Yeah. No, that's it. We're done. Thankfully, I feel like this got drugged out a long time. Yeah, I know. Maybe we should just hold a note a long time, like like uh, in Mexican <laughs> soccer, you know, like uh, go. <laughs> now you're.